Join me, if you would, in your Bibles. We'll be looking at both the handout and in our Bibles. I want to look at this couple of verses here in Matthew chapter 2. We looked last week at Joseph considering the leading of the Lord in leading Joseph to marry his wife, a very difficult thing for any man of that time to marry a woman, to, to, to go ahead and take a woman for marriage who was already pregnant and you knew it wasn't she wasn't pregnant by you. Uh, we considered uh, the power of God in leading his people, and that's exactly what God was doing. He was leading his people. And tonight we look in, re, in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the day of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now join me, if you would, in our handout for a moment. Our first consideration of this text is, once again, the drawing power of the Most High. The Lord of all creation causing some men... And I want to stop there for just a second where it says pause here for a moment. We don't know how many men there were. I was talking to, to Brother Norm Wells, as a matter of fact. I was talking to him. And I just blurted out the three men, the three wise men from the east. And he goes, we don't know that there were three, John. You error, because you, well, you didn't say that, but I, I was. I was error because I did not know the word. I, I did not know the scripture properly. And as I looked at it there, we see that we do not know how many men there were. For the word of God does not tell us. Back in our handout, that top paragraph. Man in his imagination has implemented their understanding and declared it to be three. But God has not revealed that number to us through his word. So let us ever keep in mind to look to his word for our truths without our fresh our fleshly knowledge interfering. And that's not easy to do, folks. That's not easy to do at all. He caused some men to search him out to worship him is what happened here. He caused some men to worship, seek him out and worship him. What a blessed thing to ponder is I am not of the Jewish blood. Therefore, being a Gentile, as these men were from the east of Jerusalem, where Gentiles... There is hope for us Gentiles as well. Hope for a savior. Hope for a king. A king who, know, who, is, who is truth. As we read in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We know that the word of God is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, as it says in John 1, 1. He chose some men from the east who were not of the Jewish blood and who were magos. That's the, that's the word wise. That's the word that's used there for wise. It's been translated for wise. And, and I'm not quite sure why because magos doesn't mean wise at all. The word here in our text is translated wise, but it's only translated wise here in Matthew where it is used three times referring to these men from the east. In the book of of the Acts of the Apostles, this word magos is used twice describing one man 
and not in a very good way. Look over, look over to Acts chapter 13 with me, if you would, real quick. Turn over to Acts chapter 13. Let's see how this word is used. I want you to read it for yourself. Acts chapter 13, and we'll read 5 through 10 and see where this word is used here. In verse 5 of Acts 13, we read, And when they saw Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues, of the Jews, and they had also John their minister, and when they had gone through the isles of Papos, they found a certain sorcerer. That's magos. It comes from the words, and it's a word, it's uh, derived from the word magis, or magis, magis, uh, M-A-G-I-S. But the, in, this, in this particular case, it's magos. Sorcerer. A false prophet a Jew whose name was Berjesus, which was the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul, had desired to hear the word of God. But Elamus, the sorcerer, and there we go, we see that word again, Magos, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? So we see this word magos is used as wise men over in Matthew, but it's definitely not wise men according to what we read here in the book of Acts. Folks, there's one thing we know for sure from this. Wherefore, as by one man centered into the world, death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. That's what we read in Romans 5.12. That applies to this very, this, this very thing. These men who came from the east, who came from the east of Jordan to Jordan, I mean, uh, to Jerusalem, they came... As sinner, wherefore, as by one man sinned into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So they came as sinners, as we or, or as we read it in Romans three twenty three, for all have sinned and come short of the God, glory of God. These men from the east were sinners, who were brought by the irresistible grace to seek and find the one true God, Jesus Christ. Page two. Now the word the word. Lord's word tells us this in Romans chapter 9, verse 15, For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. That's on the top of page 2 of your uh, handout. This time we are... This time we were looking at was, as some commentators have said, about two years after the birth of Christ in that manger in Bethlehem. And in that time, God has only given us two times where others have come seeking the Lord. And I want you to look at that with me over in the book of Luke. So turn over to Luke chapter 2, and let's see the other two points, the other two points of time where the Lord gives us some, someone who is coming and seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8, we read these words, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding 
in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. I wonder how many shepherds were out and about in the fields around the earth at that time. But yet there is ones here. There were some who were in the some who were in the same country, abiding in the field, and the angel of the Lord came upon them. Not everyone, but upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Here we see the word of God being applied to the hearts of men, telling them to be not afraid. There's tidings of great joy. This is the gospel. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, verse 11, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Verse 15, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said unto one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. What drew these men unto him? We can say the same thing about Joseph that we, did, that we looked at last week. What drew Joseph to take Mary as his wife? God. He's the one who makes us to differ. Not just once, not just when he comes to save us, but every time. God leading his people in the paths that he has purposed us to be on, that's what uh, makes us to differ. That's what made these shepherds to leave their fields, to leave their sheep, and go into the city and seek this one called Jesus. What drew these men unto him? God Almighty himself. Under the irresistible drawing power of God, these men believed what the angel of God had preached to them, the gospel, the good news of Christ the Savior. They believed and went searching. That's what these men of, uh, of, uh, of the East were doing. They were coming from the East. They weren't even coming from the house of God. They were coming from outside the house of God. It, the Gentiles. Let's look at this next one that shows us that uh, came seeking the Lord. Go, let's continue on. Same chapter of Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 19. No, I'm sorry, 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy of, to the Lord, 
and to offer, verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he, Simeon, him, Christ, up in his arms, and blessed God, and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people. Uh, going on. And a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of, uh, of Phanuel, of the tribe of Azur. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a, a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in the instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spoke, spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So we see here two other times where somebody had come looking for the Lord Jesus. Isn't that strange? Back in your handout, mid-page. What we're talking about here is irresistible grace. It's, this is the irresistible grace, gracious work of God. Only with a new heart, a new spirit, will one seek to worship God in truth. And folks, we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's what we read. The hour, uh, John 4, 23 through 24, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him, God a spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and truth. For nearly two whole years, we're not told of anyone else taking notice of the fact that God had come into the world in human flesh. Could it be no one in Jerusalem or Bethlehem or all of Judea believed the messages that Simeon and Anna had declared? The, the messages that the, the uh, uh, shepherds had declared? Could it be there was no one else? Joseph and Mary, that they declared, or the word of Joseph and Mary concerning the Christ of God. And yet here come men from the east, Gentiles from the Orient. The word wise means magian, that is, oriental scientist, by implication, a magician, a sorcerer. The history of these wise men and their visit 
to our Savior like everything else in Holy Scripture is recorded for our learning and for our comfort, for hope as we seek to glorify our God in this world. Page 3. In Romans 15.4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. I'll tell you folks, this, this story of these men who came from the East, this gives great hope to me. I, I, I'm not of the blood of, uh, of, of the Jews. I'm a Gentile. What hope this gives for the men and women of the world who are not, who are not of Israel, physical Israel. We could still be part of spiritual Israel. These men were chosen of all that lived in the east of Israel. These came to worship him. Out of all that live in North Highlands, California, John and Kathy were called with irresistible grace to come and worship the true and living God. Out of all the folks that live in certain areas of the country, a few have been called to worship the true and living God. Many spend lip service to a God of their own imagination, but few are called from that darkness, from that darkness that we all loved so much. Few are called to worship Him. Isn't that what we read in Mark 7, 6? He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me? In Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14, Enter ye into the straight gate, it says. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Folks, I tell you, salvation is of the Lord. True worship is of the Lord. These men came to worship in spirit and in truth. God must overrule the old heart of men. He must circumcise, remove the stony heart. We all come into this world with, He must give life where there is nothing but death. We must be born again, as it says in, John, in the book of John. And that's the works of the Spirit of God. The irresistible grace of God, the irresistible drawing power of God, drawing His people unto Him, not fighting and kicking, but making us willing in the day of His power, in the day of His love. Listen to the words of 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts. Now, does it say anywhere there where He's waiting for you to give Him permission? <laughs> does it say anything there that He's waiting for you to make a decision or do anything else? according to your will? No, it says God commanded. Folks, when God commands, and everything He says is a command, He provides all that He commands to you and I, those that He's loved from before the world was, but it still comes as a command. He commands the light to shine out of darkness, and He shines it in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of glory of God in the face of His Son, the Lord Jesus. We also see in this record of Christ's birth, our Savior has many hidden ones. As spoken of in Psalms 83.3, He's got many hidden ones in the earth. We sometimes foolishly imagine that we know all that God is doing in the world around us, and that we either know 
of or know about all of his people in the world, but nothing could be more absurd or further from the truth. It's easy for us to sit here in this little place and rescue and think to ourselves, God must not have anybody else. I don't know of any other churches who preach the truth in Sacramento, and I don't. But that doesn't mean they're not there. Just because I don't know, just because John doesn't know, doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't have people out there. I didn't know that those folks over in the Philippines loved the Lord as much as they do until one day they reached out to me. I don't know. I don't even know how they found out about me. To be honest, I think if, I think they heard heard of rescue through through Rick Warder because he was uh, he also talks with Rick Warder, so it might be through him. We just don't know. We just don't know, and and don't don't ever try to sit there and think you do either. Uh, page four. Sinners like these wise men are sometimes born of God in dark places. In the dark places of the earth and made wise unto salvation. You know, there's a movement. I want to stop there for just a moment again because there's a movement. I was going to tell you about this. Uh, there's a pretty good-sized movement moving around in Africa right now. There are men from the states being called to preach in Africa right now by, tr by different people from different tribes, different tongues, different nations. Uh, Gabe Stoniker has three different nations in the, on the continent of Africa who have started calling upon him to, to, to lead them and to teach them and to preach for them. That's amazing. We're, we don't have that much stuff going on here in California that we know about. doesn't mean it's not. It just means we haven't heard about it. Dark places. Who would have ever thought the, the paganism of Africa is being turned, but God can do such things. Yep. He has hidden folks, hidden ones, in many dark places, and he's made them wise unto salvation. They are the Lord's. They know Christ, and Christ knows them, and nothing else matters. Nothing else matters about them, where they're from or, or, or what. Let us never imagine that God has left himself without a witness somewhere. In Romans 11, verses 1 through 5, we read these words, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. Aren't you thankful he hasn't cast away all the people of rescue? All the people of Sacramento? All of those who are in the earshot of, of the preaching of the gospel in San Diego? In Marysville? The Dalles, Oregon? I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. Paul goes, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Wot ye not that the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the, to the image of Baal. Even so then at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. We must never attempt to measure the length and the breadth of God's kingdom by our own yardstick. We must never imagine that God is not working because we do not see Him work, or that our labor is in vain because we do not see its fruit. How many of you recall the story of Ron Halsey and how he passes out our CDs that we send him? A woman who picked one up one day, came back the next 
week and picked another one up and she went through an entire series of messages that I'd given on titled The Characteristics of God's Grace. One was not recorded at that time. I had, recording had had uh, uh, had a problem, had an error in the recording, so we had number eight was missing. And she called me up. And she goes, "I've worn out all of the other CDs." Now I don't want. I don't know what happened to her, but you talk about God's hidden people. This woman just came out of nowhere. She wasn't attending any gospel church that I knew about. She was a traveler. She had picked up one of his CDs, God's CDs. And started listening and just loved them so much. She wore them out. She called me up. She goes, where's number eight? She goes, where's number eight? And so we don't have it. Should have gone back and recorded one for her, but I didn't. We never know how God's word is going to go out into this world. We must never attempt uh, to measure the length of the breadth of God's kingdom by our own yardstick. And we must never imagine that God is not working because we do not see his work. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It says in Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. We can also see from this passage that as the scriptures constantly teach that the least likely are often the most likely objects of God's saving grace. Hmm. These men were magos from the east of Jerusalem, pagan astrologers, soothsayers, sorcerers, magicians, wizards, fortune tellers. I'll tell you what the authority John Reeves would have been seen as the most unlikely to believe God. I, I don't even know if I could express. Kathy's over here. She's shaking her head. Yep. <laughs> she remembers. She remembers what it was like when the Lord first called me and not her. She couldn't believe it. She thought I was brainwashed. My mom, who knew the Lord, she couldn't believe it either. It just blessed her heart to no end that her son John, who she thought would never come to the Lord, well, if the Lord had left me to myself, she's right, I would have never come to the Lord. These men would have never come seeking the Lord if the Lord hadn't expressed His irresistible grace upon hearts. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3, we read, well, let me, uh, let me finish it, uh, start again up there at the top of page 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, chooses the most unlikely the adulterers, the fornicators, the murderers, the sinners to be merciful to. He didn't come. He didn't come to save the righteous, those who don't, who need no uh, physician. Ephesians two verses one through three, and you who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Every child of the true and living God sees themselves in those words and says, that's true. That was true of me. 
We're not told who these men were. Middle of page 5. We're not told who these men were or where they lived or how they learned of Christ, only that they were from the East. Perhaps they had learned to expect Christ from the ten tribes who were once carried away into captivity, or maybe maybe some prophet had passed through their land expounding from the words of Isaiah or Daniel or David maybe. We simply do not know, but as Matthew Poole wrote, these were the first fruits of the Gentiles owning Christ as King of the Jews, whilst he came among his own and they received him not. Matthew Poole also writes, nor do I anything more worth nor do I know anything more worthy of our observation concerning them. God often passes by those who have the greatest privileges and opportunities and saves them who seem to be on the reach of mercy. Luke 4, verses 25-27, we read, And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country, but I tell you of a truth, many, many widows were in Israel in the day of Elijah's. When the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, saving Nahum, the Syrian. We would have thought the scribes and the Pharisees, those men who were so learned in the facts of Scripture and religion, would have been the first to go down to Bethlehem and as soon as the Savior's birth was rumored. But it was not. In John 1.11, we read these words, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. It's a sad fact, folks, but fact that is often confirmed by experience that the hardest people on earth to reach with the gospel are, gar are gospel-hardened rebels. Listen to 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14 through 16. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet Savior, a savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To one we are a savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? Those who neglect the privileges and the opportunities that are set before them to hear the gospel and learn of God, they court reprobation and judgment. Look with me, if you would, at Proverbs 1. Turn over to Proverbs 1. Beginning at verse 23 of Proverbs 1, we read these words, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have set at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. 
For they that hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would not of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whosoever, but whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of the Lord. Folks, irresistible drawing grace. Oh, how thankful we can be that God draws us because He has loved us from before the, before, before the world was made. Amen. Back in your handout, mid-page of page 6, God graciously saves those who are thought of by men to be the least likely candidates for mercy. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, we read verses 1 through 12. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Saul was a good-looking man. He was a, a fair man. He was a, a strong king, a strong one to be a king. Yet, he's telling, uh, he's telling Samuel here, how long are you going to mourn for him? I've chosen somebody else. I've chosen this little guy over here, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take and, and heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord, and call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came into Bethlehem, and, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass, verse 6, when they were come, that he looked unto Eliab and said, Surely the, Lord anointed, the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looketh upon the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, are here, uh, are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy 
and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. So we see the Lord chooses the most unlikely people to save and to use as his prophets, as his, as his tools, as his ministers. Folks, I can't, I can't express to you in stronger words of how unlikely that I would have thought the Lord would have used me just to minister his word. It still boggles my mind. I still repeat what Paul says. Who is, who is sufficient for such things? How, how can I be sufficient for such things? Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's look over there and see how the Lord chooses the most unlikely to be saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we read in verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Wow. I just That just hit me like I hadn't read, like I'd never read that before. I've read it hundreds of times. But he has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. You know, just in what I know of, of the sovereign grace churches around the country and around the world, which is very, very few, and I know there's more than, the one, than just the ones I know, but they don't compare anything compared to the religions of the world. The religions of the world are, I mean, if you put them all together in one basket of works, religion, which you can, they, they outnumber everything. There's more, there's more religious people in this world than, than there is of anything else at all. Everything else combined. He has chosen the weak things, the small churches that he has throughout the world to confound the things which are mighty. Verse 28, And the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. I thought about that verse as I was reading uh, as I was reading that verse there in Matthew of the wise men. You know, as children of God, they were wisest among the world, weren't they? I know that word, I, I pointed out how that word doesn't, isn't referred to anywhere else other than here as wise or wisdom. And the words that are used in Scripture for those, for those meanings are completely different. But if you stop and think about the wisdom that you and I have, look at, look at how we look at the world so differently now than what we did before we knew the Lord. You know, when we were counting on things like luck and, 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 and stuff like that, you know, Mother Nature... Lady Luck, all those kinds of things. Now, we know who controls everything. Look at the way we see the world now compared to what we used to. That may, that's what makes us wise. It's not, it's not our wisdom. It's Him. It's knowing who He is. It's being given that revelation of who God is, 
what He's done for us, where He is right now, that's our wisdom. Not us. Not I'm not smarter than I was before. Other than the fact that I know who rules all things now and I didn't know Him before. Other than that, I'm the same John Reeves. These men from the... East, their only wisdom was the wisdom of God drawing them in to come and worship Him. He passed by self-righteous Pharisees and self-complacent scribes and saved some pagan magicians from the far eastern land. That's exactly what He did to John Reeves and to all of His people. He passes by others because He's loved us from before the world was. I just couldn't help but put this in here. This ha- I had to close with these verses. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You got problems going on in the world around you? In the flesh that you walk in? If God be for us, who or what can be against us? 8.32 He that spared not his own son, Folks, God shed His blood for us. How shall He not give us all things? He spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm thankful. I'm thankful. So thankful that God's grace in drawing me to Him was irresistible because if it was resistible at all, I would have resisted it. <laughs>